Hello and welcome to the podcast of First Congregational United Church of Christ in DeWitt, Iowa. I'm Pastor Chris. Today on the podcast, we are starting Advent. Advent is the season when we prepare for God to come into the world. As one of us, among a dispossessed people in an occupied land 2,000-ish years ago, and at some point in the future, to usher in the fullness of the kingdom of God. At First Congregational United Church of Christ, we are spending Advent in prayer. Each week, we will pray for a different aspect of the church and the world. The world as a whole, the church as a whole, our nation and our community, and our congregation. And I'll also ask you to spend some time during each week praying for these things and more on your own. And of course, we'll have worship, including scripture, a sermon, and prayer. And then we'll take a closer look at our scripture this week from the book of Daniel. Thank you for joining us. A quick reminder that if you like what you hear, it would be great if you could rate, review, and share it so that others can hear it. And with that, let's get started. I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel. My heart teaches me night after night. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not fall. Let my prayer, O God, be set forth in your sight as incense, the lifting up of my hands as an evening sacrifice. Grace to you and peace. From God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us come before God in prayer. Prayer is an important part of Christian life. It's also one that many of us neglect. I mean, I'm a pastor and my prayer life is not always great. So this Advent, we're spending some time in prayer. That's it. No big lesson, no lecture, no discussion. Just prayer and this little introduction. Each week has a different theme, prayers for the world, prayers for the church, prayers for the nation, and prayers for our congregation. These are prayers that have been adapted from the Book of Common Prayer, a collection of prayer books that have been used by our friends and neighbors in the Anglican Communion since roughly 1549 or so. And each week, I will also ask you to spend some time in prayer every day. Set a time when you get up, before you go to bed, right after lunch, whatever works for you. The point is to build a habit. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later. For now, please join me in the spirit of prayer. O heavenly God, who has filled the world with beauty. Open our eyes to behold your gracious hand in all of your works, that, rejoicing in your whole creation, we may learn to serve you with gladness for the sake of the one through whom all things were made. You are the creator and preserver of all humankind. 
You made us in your own image and redeemed us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Look with compassion on the whole human family. Take away the arrogance and hatred which infect our hearts. Break down the walls that separate us. Unite us in bonds of love. Work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish your purpose on earth. We humbly ask that you might make your ways known to all people, that we might be governed by your Holy Spirit, led in the way of truth and held in unity of spirit. Guide us all in the ways of righteousness and love, that we might all be gathered under the banner of the Prince of Peace, as children of one holy parent, who has dominion and glory now and forever. Finally, O God, we commend to your goodness all of those who are in any way afflicted or distressed, ourselves, our friends and neighbors, strangers and enemies, that you might grant your comfort to them, give them patience through their sufferings, and bring their afflictions to a happy end. May all the world rejoice in your tender, loving care, O God. May we all come to stand reconciled before you, and in your good time may all nations and all people serve you in harmony. We pray all of this through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The world faces big challenges. Some of those challenges are personal. There are things in my life that trouble me. And there are similar things troubling other people in other parts of the world. I am, in a weird kind of way, not alone in my struggles. Someone in South Korea or India or Belarus or Nigeria or Argentina is struggling through the same thing. In fact, millions or billions of people are probably struggling through the same thing. And if I'm going to pray for God to relieve me of those burdens, it makes sense to pray the same for all of those strangers who bear the same burdens. The world faces big challenges. Some of those challenges are huge and overwhelming. Climate change, war, poverty, hunger, so on. And there are things that we can do about those challenges, but in the face of them, we can feel small. Because in the face of them, on our own, we, we are small. And so we pray to ask God to do something and to ask God to unite us so that we can do something. So this week, whenever you can, maybe set a time each day, I am asking you to pray for the world. Pray for your own struggles and the struggles of strangers around the world. Pray for your own joys and the joys of strangers around the world. Pray that we, as a world, might find the unity to face down the big challenges that our world faces. And with that, please join me again in the spirit of prayer. Almighty God, 
You have given us the grace to come together at this time and make common supplication to you. You have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you are in their midst. And we have faith that that is true even when we are not gathered together physically, but through technology and in spirit. Fulfill now, O holy God, the desires and petitions that we have offered to you in the ways that are best for us, granting us the knowledge of your truth in the world that is, and everlasting and abundant life in the world to come. Amen. As we come together in worship, let's take a moment to prepare ourselves, our minds and our bodies, our spirits and our spaces, by taking three deep breaths. Take one deep breath and become aware of God's presence. Take a second deep breath and be filled with gratitude for this opportunity to be together, even though we are not in the same place at the same time. And take a third deep breath and lay aside any feelings that might stand in the way of being fully present in worship. You might need to pick up those feelings again later, that's okay. But for now, let's lay them aside. And please join me in the spirit of prayer. Give ear to our pleas, O Lord God of hosts. As we come together to praise you, remember your steadfast love. As we call on your name, give us life and mold us into your people. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine upon us that we might be saved. Amen. Come and worship the Lord, who comforts in times of trouble. Our reading today is from the book of Daniel, chapter 6, verses 6 through 27. As always, for our recordings, this is from that nice public domain King James version of the Bible. If you would like to read along with this version or any other version, including the New Revised Standard Version, which is what we usually use during our in-person worship, I invite you to go to BibleGateway.com, and you can look up the passage there, and you can find it in any number of different versions and translations. So here is Daniel chapter 6, verses th 6 through 27. 
Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing, that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words was sore displeased with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king, and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is, that no decree nor statute which the king establisheth may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent an angel and hath shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. 
and the lions had the mastery of them, and break all their bones in pieces, or ever they came at the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree, that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and steadfast for ever, and his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. There is an island between Australia and Antarctica, about 650 miles southwest of the southern tip of New Zealand, in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And 200 years ago, and today, it's just this place where some birds and seals and penguins live. But in that 200 years, well, one day some sailors came to the island and saw the seals and penguins and said, we could hunt those. And they did. And then other sailors started showing up. And where there are boats, there are rats. So rats started showing up. So the sailors let some cats loose to eat the rats. And just in case anyone got shipwrecked there, which is a thing that happened, the sailors let some rabbits loose so that there would be food. And the cats ate the rats and massacred the birds. And the rabbits ate the plants, which wasn't great either. And the cats and the rabbits did what cats and rabbits do when cats and rabbits love each other very much. I mean, not each other. The cats with the cats and the rabbits with the rabbits. So in the 80s, some people decided to get rid of the cats. And that was good for the birds. And that was great for the rabbits. And the rabbits kept eating the plants, which caused soil erosion until part of the island fell off. And long story short, it took three and a half decades and tens of millions of dollars to make this island in the middle of nowhere back into a place where some birds and seals and penguins live. And the point is, sometimes... Things that seem little and sensible, like letting a handful of cats and rabbits run around an island, can have big, unintended, destructive consequences. Darius is a king. The Persian Empire is huge. It stretches through Pakistan and Afghanistan and Turkmenistan and Uzbekistan and then reaches west through Iran and Iraq and Egypt and Turkey. It even pushes a little bit into Greece, and it has conquered the Babylonian Empire, which is also huge, but not as huge as the Persian Empire. And Darius has been put in charge of a kingdom that stretches from the Persian Gulf to the Mediterranean Sea, and the best among his administrators is a man from Judah named Daniel. You see, the people of Judah had forsaken the Lord and run after other gods. They had grown rich and fat, 
while orphans suffered and the needy had nothing, the very word of the Lord had become an object of scorn to them. And God had sent prophets to warn them, and the people in power had not listened. And so the Babylonians had come with swords and with spears. They had destroyed Jerusalem and raised the temple of the Lord to the ground and taken the sacred things from the temple and put them in neat little rooms with neat little labels. And they had taken the people, including Daniel, into exile. And Daniel kept the faith and did good work and rose through the ranks of the Babylonian civil service. And when the Persian Empire took over and Darius was appointed to be in charge of what was once the Babylonian Empire, Darius was happy to find someone who already knew how things worked. But Daniel is still in exile. He is still far from the land that the Lord had promised to the descendants of Abraham. He is still far from home. And Daniel has seen the power and the glory of the Lord during his exile, but it must still feel a little bit like the covenant that the Lord had made with Abraham and Moses and the people was laying shattered on the ground. It must still feel a little bit like Daniel himself is laying shattered on the ground. And on top of that, on top of all of that, there are these Babylonian and Persian administrators looking at him and saying, what affirmative action nonsense. Let this foreigner, this guy from Judah, rise up this high. Let's take him down. So they go to Darius, they go to the king, a handful of them, and they say, King Darius, may you live forever. All of us have talked, and we think it would be a good idea. All of us do, every single one of us, all of the administrators in the whole kingdom, not that we asked Daniel, we think it would be a good idea for you to issue an edict and establish an ordinance that said, that for the next 30 days, anyone who prays to anyone other than you will be thrown into a den of lions. And that sounded good to Darius. Everyone would be praying to him. Everyone would be recognizing his might and his majesty. And all of his administrators agree, according to the administrators who are in the room. So he issues the edict. And he establishes the ordinance. And he makes it irrevocable. For the next 30 days, anyone who prays to anyone other than Darius will be thrown into a den of lions. And then a few days later, that same handful of administrators come to Darius and tell him, King Darius, may you live forever. You know, Daniel, the foreigner, the guy from Judah, your favorite well, we're sorry to tell you, but he's been praying to his God three times a day. And there, there is an edict and an ordinance, and it cannot be revoked. And Darius is distressed. He likes 
Daniel. He never intended for this to happen, so he tries everything. He looks for a loophole, but there isn't one, and there's nothing he can do. And when Daniel is ushered into the den, and a stone is rolled over the entrance, it is Darius's name on the stone. And there's nothing he can do but pray. It seemed little and sensible at the time, and now there are big, unintended, destructive consequences. We could draw so many lessons from this moment. We all live in a world that is full of unintended consequences. I mean, don't get me wrong, we also live in a world that is full of intended consequences. There are things that we have done on purpose. But we all live in a world where we have done things that seemed small and sensible at the time, and where we have watched those things blow up and turn bad. And maybe even where we've tried to fix them and failed. We all live in a world where, if we are brave enough to look, we can see the stone over the entrance to a lion's den that contains someone else. Maybe even someone who we love. And that stone has our name written across it. That is where Darius is. He didn't issue an edict because he's evil. He didn't establish an ordinance because there was hatred in his heart. He just heard an idea, and it seemed small and sensible, and it was good for him, and he went along with it. And he didn't think about the people who it would affect. Daniel, who had helped him and who he liked and who he was going to put in charge of everything, and all of the other people who had been exiled from their homeland in Judah to the depths of the empire, who were just trying to hold on to whatever they could. And maybe if he had sought those people out first, if he had listened to the vulnerable in the first place, he wouldn't be here now. But he is. He is in his palace. He is distraught. He is afraid. He cannot eat and he cannot sleep. There's nothing he can do but pray. But listen to his prayer. Darius does not pray to his own god. And he doesn't pray for any god to help him come to terms with what he's done, or to comfort him and bring him peace, or to make him feel better. No. He prays, May your god, Daniel, the god who you serve faithfully, deliver you from what I have done. And there is power in that prayer. Daniel will be fine. The lions will not hurt him, and when the stone is rolled away the next morning, he will greet Darius, and Darius will proclaim that everyone should tremble before the God who Daniel serves, and Daniel will prosper. But here's the thing. Last week, I said that we have grown too comfortable with things that aren't actually comfortable, with things that aren't comfortable for others and that rely on the discomfort of others and that aren't even comfortable for us. 
I said that we resist the call to step into the world that God has created for us, because that step is hard. It is wild and dangerous and full of grace. But if we want to take that first step, if we want to be brave, if we want to be wild and dangerous and full of grace, we can start with prayer. Not for ourselves, but for people more vulnerable than ourselves. Not for us, but for the ones who are shut up in lion's dens with our names on the stones rolled over the entrance. Because it turns out that when God delivers the folks from the unintended consequences of the things that we thought were small and sensible, and when God delivers the folks from the intended consequences of the things that we did on purpose, God delivers us too. Our freedom, our liberation, our redemption, our rescue, our salvation, our step into the kingdom is inextricably tangled up with everyone else's. This is the first Sunday of Advent. This is the Sunday when, and we don't do this on the podcast, but we did it in our video service, and if we were meeting in person, we would do it in our in-person service. This is the Sunday when we light a candle for hope. So often when we light this candle, we think of ourselves. So often when we light this candle, we light it so that we can find our own way out of the darkness. But what if, this time, we lit this candle as a reminder of the hope that others, trapped in lion's dens that we can only imagine, so desperately need? What if this time we lit this candle so that they can find their way out of the darkness? What if this time we prayed that the God who loves the world by coming into the world among the vulnerable will deliver the vulnerable? And what if, during this season of Advent, we had faith that when the least of us are brought into the kingdom of God, then all of us will be brought into the kingdom of God? Please join me in a moment of silent reflection. Please join me in the spirit of prayer. Gracious God, who liberates and redeems, who rescues and saves, we come before you a people who are in many places. Some of us are in lion's dens, and the way out is closed to us. We are beset by troubles on every side, and we do not know how to deal with them. Some of us are on the other side of that stone blocking the entrance 
seeing our names written on it, ashamed of what we have done, afraid to face those to whom we have done it. Some of us are in both places at once, and we do not know what to do. We do not know how to be. Guide us, O God. Be a light to us. Help us see the way out. Grant that those of us who have closed these stones over entrances to lion's dens might have the grace to open them, to reach a hand to those inside and pull them out. Grant that those of us who are trapped inside might see that stone roll away and might have the grace to be pulled out. Grant that we might be reconciled to each other. And grant that all of us, through such reconciliation, might be reconciled to you. That we might all be together as one people. We know, O Lord, that we have not been who you have called us to be. Come and be among us. Let us see you in every pleading face and outstretched hand, and let us serve you. Make us into the people who you intend us to be, and grant that all of us might find peace in your kingdom. We come before you a people with so many prayers. Prayers that we can speak aloud, prayers that we cannot find the words for, prayers that we keep to ourselves, prayers buried so deep within us that we don't even know they're there. Hear all of these. Hear the prayers that we have said and hear our prayers as we take a moment for silent prayer. Gracious God, we have faith that you receive and hear all of the prayers that we send to you, that you are all around us listening to our words, listening to our thoughts, listening to those prayers that we don't even know are there. Hear these prayers. Accept these prayers. Guide us and uphold us. We pray all of this and more in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our reading today is from the book of Daniel. So first, and I talked a little bit about this in my sermon and a little bit last week, the historical setting. You might remember that there was once a united kingdom of Israel. This was the kingdom that Saul and David and Solomon ruled over. And starting during Solomon's reign, but culminating after he died, that kingdom split apart. The kingdom of Israel in the north, the kingdom of Judah in the south. And there are debates about the dates and even some of the historicity, but let's say that that split happened sometime in the 10th century before Christ. In the late 8th century, remember we're before Christ here, so dates go backwards. The smaller the number, the later it is. Israel in the north is conquered by the Assyrian Empire, and the population is deported. And those tribes disappear from history. Kind of, sort of, maybe. Both the Bible and extra-biblical Historical records indicate that maybe some of the people were deported, but that others stayed in Israel, and the Samaritans claim that they are descended from a couple of those northern tribes. Around the same time, Judah in the south becomes a client state of the Assyrian Empire, but in the mid-7th century, the Assyrian Empire starts to fall apart. That creates a power vacuum, and Judah reasserts itself and tries to take back some Israelite territory. But Egypt intervenes, and Judah becomes a client state of Egypt. The Neo-Babylonian Empire rises in the east and pushes the Egyptians back, and now Judah is stuck between these two great powers, the Egyptians and the Babylonians. Judah tries to resist Babylonian rule, and the Babylonians respond by conquering Judah, destroying Jerusalem, including the temple, and deporting a significant part of the population to the interior of the empire. And that's roughly where the book of Jeremiah ends and the book of Daniel starts. A little more than halfway through the book of Daniel in the 6th century, The Achaemenid Empire, or the first Persian Empire, conquers the Babylonian Empire and eventually stretches as far east as Egypt and Greece. This will eventually result in the people who were deported from Judah being allowed to return to Judah and start rebuilding. All in all, the exile lasts from roughly 600 BC until roughly 520 BC. Tradition says that it lasted for 70 years, so those roughlies are important. Second, the book. The book of Daniel begins with the 
deportation of Daniel and some of his friends in that roughly 600 BC date area. And the story is pretty simple. Daniel and his friends are trained to serve in the emperor's palace. They demonstrate their faithfulness to God and they prosper. There are a couple of moments where their faith in God gets them in trouble. When the Babylonian king demands that people worship a statue he's built, Daniel's friends refuse and are thrown into a fiery furnace and end up being okay. And in today's reading, when Daniel won't pray to the Persian king, he is thrown into a lion's den. And he ends up being okay, because God is with them, right? So they end up being okay. And the kings recognize the power of God and the faithfulness of Daniel and his friends, and they are promoted. That's the story part of the book. The first six chapters. The second part of the book, chapters 7 through 12, are descriptions of visions that Daniel had regarding the length of the exile. This is where the 70-year figure comes from. And the fate of the Persian Empire and the rise of the Seleucid Empire several centuries later and the end of the world. And those visions occur during the story that was told in the first half of the book. So it's a little weird, but that's not all. The center of the book, chapters two through seven are in Aramaic and form a complete story with a complete story structure. The ends of the book, chapter one and chapters eight through 12 are in Hebrew and don't totally mesh with the other things that are going on. So the book probably started as these Aramaic stories about this guy named Daniel, and then someone added the Hebrew parts later. And to make it even more complicated, even later than that, someone added Greek bits that Protestants rejected, but that are still in Catholic and Orthodox versions. So the book of Daniel is a really good example of how things in the Old Testament could get put together over time. And that doesn't mean that it's not inspired or revelatory or important. It just means that there's often more going on with really any biblical text than what we see on the surface. And one of the things that I like about the book of Daniel is that the story portion, those first six chapters show some of the difficulties of life in exile. The Babylonian exile is incredibly important. It's the last high point of biblical prophecy. It's the time when the Torah is redacted, when all of those bits and pieces of the first few books of the Bible are brought together into a collection of books and when the Torah starts to really become authoritative, it's the first time in generations that the people haven't had a temple. It's the beginning of the Jewish diaspora and a time when the people need to figure out how to be Jewish outside of Israel. It is, in a sense, the time where the ancient Israelite religion centered around the land and the temple starts to wind down a little bit and a new form of Judaism starts to ramp up. 
And while the challenges that Daniel and his friends face in trying to maintain their religion in this new land, again, a fiery furnace and a lion's den, while those are important and story-worthy, everyday people, especially those who were deported, must have endured extraordinary pressure to give up their old ways and assimilate. And in the end, they were forced to figure out new ways to be faithful to God and new ways to be a people. And there's a lesson for us in that, right? Christianity is an ancient religion with even more ancient roots. And the world around us is constantly changing. The last year about has been a great example of that. The number of times that people like me, clergy, have had to figure out new ways to do worship and have that work. And the number of times that people in churches have had to figure out new ways to be community and have that work. The world around us is constantly changing, and we are, like our Jewish friends and neighbors, always having to find new ways to hold on to old traditions and be faithful to God. And there's something beautiful in remembering that we're not alone in this. That figuring out ways to change and be faithful at the same time, that's what we've been doing forever. So we can do it again. Thanks be to God. And that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thank you again for joining us. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please remember to rate, review, and share it with others. You can learn more about First Congregational United Church of Christ on our website, uccdewitt.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can reach me, Pastor Chris, by emailing pastor at uccdewitt.org. And you can let us know about the podcast and make suggestions by emailing podcast at uccdewitt.org. Our music includes Funkarama by Kevin McLeod and Gymnopedi No. 1 and Gymnopedi No. 2 by Eric Satie, performed by Kevin McLeod. Thank you again for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. And with that, God delivered Daniel from the lions, and God promises to deliver the world from every evil. Go into the world in confidence and hope, knowing that God is with you and that you are with God. May we, in this season of all seasons, be a people of hope, May we bask in the good news of God's saving grace, and may we bring others to that same hope. May our whole lives be lived in worship of the God who delivers, the God who rescues, the God who saves. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. 
Amen.